right, go tell a friend. Unions in the labor movement, employment, law, and doing the right thing. Reparations in COVID-19, voting rights, the insight is priceless. Can't be a late talk, you know we got it. Come on, let's go. It's time for the legal in show. Come on, let's go. It's time for the legal in show. Come on, let's go. It's time for the legal in show. Come on, let's go. It's time for the legal lens. It's time for the legal lens. Remix. Go, 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 go. Hello, hello, KBLA Talk 1580 listeners. This is the third weekend of July 2023, and we can feel it. It is a true hot summer day, and you're tuned into KBLA Talk 1580. This is The Legal Lens with Angela Redock Wright Show, where we bring law to light each Saturday at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time and each Sunday at 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. We're broadcasting to you live from our Lamert Park, USA, Crenshaw District studios and um, you can tell that we are in this area if you were to drive by our building because uh, Destination Crenshaw is coming and you can see all the construction associated with that great arts and cultural project that is coming to Los Angeles. Also today Lamert Park and Crenshaw are buzzing because Black Lives Matter turns 10 years old and they are having their People's Justice Festival and it is already up and going great music So if you're looking for something to do today, definitely join Black Lives Matter and celebrating um, their 10-year anniversary. And our very own Melina, Dr. Melina Abdullah, who has a Saturday show as well, um, she's being honored today for all of her work in activism and grassroots um, work on behalf of African-American people. So thank you, Dr. Melina, and all the great work you do. Many thanks to J-Star for, oh, by the way, that festival is from 12 to 6 p.m. today, Saturday, July 15th. So, and it's called the People's Justice Festival. Many thanks to J-Star for our Legal Lens Jingle remix and to our listeners for joining in. We could not do this show without you. And we thank you for listening from week to week. You can follow KBLA Talk 1580 on all socials. And you can follow me on Facebook and Instagram at I am Angela Redock Wright. And there you can find out about our upcoming shows, um, hear about our prior shows, and most importantly, you can engage with us directly when we're not on the radio to share your thoughts about the shows, to give us suggestions for future shows, and just generally to let us hear your comments and your thoughts about the work we're doing in the legal community. We do this show for you, so we love to hear from you and get your feedback so we can make sure we're bringing you content that matters to you. Um, You can listen to KBLA Talk 1580 um, on the go and listen to this show as well as our other great show weekday and weekend shows by downloading our KBLA Talk 1580 app. And that way, um, even if you're not home, if you're you're out working out, you're at the People's Justice Festival today, you can have KBLA Talk 1580 playing um, on your listening device wherever you are. Um, You can also 
listen by telling Alexa to play KBLA Talk 1580 on TuneIn. That's what I do when I'm at home. And of course, there's old school. We are on the radio. So you can listen just by dialing into um, your AM dial for those of us who still have radio. And of course, we have radio in our car. So if you're driving, just um, tune into your AM dial. And we would love for you to give us a call today because our show is live and we have an amazing guest, someone that I have admired um, for many years and just appreciate all that he and his law firm do um, in in their representation of clients each day. And you'll hear about that. Um, but we have attorney Clifton Albright joining us live. And so you can give him a call and ask your burning questions about business law, employment law. Um, he'll talk about some of the other areas of law. And so whenever we have a guest, an attorney in particular that is live, I always encourage you to give us a call because throughout the week, I get lots of calls from folks with legal questions, etc. And I will ask them if they're listening to our show and listening to the show on the specific issue that they have. And so today is an opportunity to talk live and in person with attorney Clifton Albright. You can call us on our KBLA Talk 1580 power lines at 1-800-920-1580. That's 1-800-920-1580. I want to see those um, lines light up. Let us know you're listening. Call us with your great questions. Today's show and our all of our shows in the month of freedom, um, in month of July, I've been calling this month Freedom July. Um, and of course, that's the playoff of Independence Day, 4th of July in the U.S. And, um, and, and, you know, that's sort of a, you know, in this day and time, you know, not everybody celebrates the 4th of July in the same way. And lots of questions are raised about whether we have true freedom and independence in our country. And so what it led me to think about is doing a, a month of shows and we'll continue it throughout the year where we bring in African-American attorneys who um, charted their own paths through opening their own firms or being solopreneurs and are really on the cutting edge and the front lines of representing both individuals and entities in um, cases in areas of law that matter. And so um, we kicked off our month with attorney um, Stephen King, who is the president of our John M. Langston Bar Association and also a civil rights and personal injury attorney. And he talked about freedom and independence from his perspective. And following him last week, we had um, attorneys from the PL PLC Law Group, attorney Pete Carr, who's the founder, and also Nashawn Neal, and the work they're doing in the area of civil rights and police abuse cases. And helping us continue the conversation from a different angle today, we have attorney Clifton Albright, um, a founder and principal of the law firm Albright E. and Schmidt here in Southern California. And um, they represent um, employers and government and governmental entities and private sector companies and organizations in a variety of areas of law, including employment law, which will be a big focus of our discussion today. And I am, like I said, I've known Mr. Albright, Attorney Albright, um, for a number of years and have admired him and the work that he does. So you don't, he is a shining star in our legal community. You're here, he's well decorated and acknowledged in so much of the work he does. So you don't 
want to miss this show. I promise you it's a great guest um, who will provide us insights that you can't get anywhere else. So stay tuned with us on KBLA Talk 1580. This is the Legal Lens Show, folks, and you don't want to miss today's show. Call a friend, call a neighbor, tell them to tune in and give us a call. Folks, as always, we have a lot to talk about. More of Legal Lens with Angela Reddick Wright, helping you see legal issues more clearly when we come forward. Thank you for continuing with us on KBLA Talk 1580. This is the Legal Lens Show with Angela, and that was none other than the great Louis Armstrong with What a Wonderful World. And it is a wonderful world and a wonderful day to tune into KBLA Talk 1580 because we have a great show planned for you. And with our guest on the line, Attorney Clifton Albright. Good morning, Attorney Albright. How are you today? I'm doing fine. How are you, Angela? Good, good. Thank you so much for taking time out of your Saturday um, to to spend some time with us and to allow our listeners to hear from you and get to know you and learn all about the great work that your law firm does. I know you are uh, traveling this weekend and you travel quite a bit. I read in your bio because you serve on a presidential. Are you still serving in your presidential appointment in international trade? I just completed my assignment, and so uh, recently, no, I did, I did eight years of ah. that uh, <laughs> under President uh, Obama and four years under President Trump, so I've, I've completed my, my service. Yes, in the area. eight years is a lot. So thank you, thank you for your service in that area and so many areas. Let me just do a little um, intro of you so I can, listeners can, can hear some highlights of your background and then um, we'll ha- have them hear from you directly. So Attorney Clifton Albright is a founding partner uh, and president of the law firm Albright Yee and Schmidt, which is um, a Southern California firm with offices in Los Angeles and Orange County. Um, he is an AV preeminent rating. The firm, um, he has an AV preeminent rating from Martindale Hubble. And I know some of you may not be familiar with that, but in our legal world, that's one of the highest ratings and accolades that you can have as an attorney. Uh, Mr. Albright is a trial attorney specializing in providing legal representation for employment, labor and tort defense to government and private entities. And he's been successful in many state and federal jury trials um, from start to verdict and also has a successful appellate record. Um, He um, has served on numerous commissions and boards and gives quite a bit of his time back to our communities. And um, recently, was uh, was awarded. We know Fame just celebrated their 100 year anniversary, the first AMA Church of Los Angeles, and he received their Law and Justice Award. So congratulations! He is well direct- decorated. A whole page of awards and accolades here, and you can learn more about him at his firm's um, website. Um, but I am just happy to have him here because he, again, and, and his firm are shining stars in our legal community. And um, really represent um, what this month is all about on our show, with it, which is charting your own path and making a difference in the law. So welcome again, Attorney Albright. Um, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit more about your background, how you came to where you're from, how you came to practice law and and envisioned, you know, opening your own firm and, and what you all do today. Well, I started, um, well, I'm from, initially from Compton. Oh, I didn't know that. I'm from Compton as well. Okay. 
Go oh, Compton. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. The swamps. <laughs> yes. <laughs> anyway. Uh, and grew up there and in, in, in Carson. Uh, we moved to Carson, and I stayed in Carson until I was out of law school. Mm-hmm. But the way I got started in law was I was, uh, my brother and I were in college, and I thought that we were going to be done and get jobs when we graduated from college. And then he told me he was going to medical school. Mm-hmm. So I felt like I couldn't stop and let him leave me behind when he was still in school and I'd be out working somewhere. So I had to, I said, well, I have to figure it out. Um, I was, uh, I was actually, uh, all my life wanted to be a business guy. I want to be a business executive. Mm-hmm. And so when I, research the top executives, I learned that most of them had law degrees. Mm, mm-hmm. So I said, what I'll do is I will go to, uh, I'll go to law school and I will get a, I'll get a law degree mm-hmm. and then that'll let me move up the corporate ladder faster. Right. And so I did that in my after my first year of law school, I just fell in love with the law, and I said, man, this stuff is really cool. So I decided uh, to do both. Um, I decided that I, I wanted to be a lawyer, but mm-hmm. I still wanted to be in business. Right. So I was able to get a job as at uh, a bank called Security Pacific Bank. Yes, I remember was, that know, bank. A long time ago. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And I worked there as law clerk. And um, when I got, um, when I graduated, my boss told me he wanted me to be a litigator and they didn't do litigation. So he arranged for a friend of his at um, uh, at Lloyd's Bank, California, mm-hmm. to hire me as a litigator. And I worked there until 87 when Sanwa bought Lloyd's Bank. And they told me that they really liked the work that I do, but at you know from eighty two to eighty seven mm-hmm. Lloyd's Bank had allowed me to have a side practice as long as i didn't it didn't interfere with the work I was doing for the bank okay and you know shortly after i side <clears throat> I started my side practice, I was making way more money in the side practice than I was making at the bank. <laughs> And, and you're so, like, what's wrong and, with this picture here, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And so in 87, when Samuel bought Lloyd's Bank, they told me that they'd love for me to stay, but I couldn't have my side practice because everything had to be dedicated to the company and mm-hmm. my whole life had to be. And I knew at that point that I would not be able to survive because back then, my mortgage on my house was more than my salary at the bank oh wow so, so you had to make a choice yeah. huh <laughs> a decision uh, yeah because i knew i had to do something so there had been a firm that was trying to recruit me uh to uh come to leave the bank and come work with them and so i reached out to them and turns out the guy that i talked to had left the firm and he said why don't you come be my partner mm. and we'll split 50-50. Okay. And so I did that. That's how I got started in 87 as an entrepreneur because um, 
you know, and I knew it was sink or swim. Yeah. So, and at the bank, I knew it was sink. <laughs> at least, you know, <laughs> right. With this guy, it was sink or swim. I at least there was some uh, opportunity for me right. to succeed, and so I worked really hard, and it has uh, turned out to be a really good thing. And that was that so Albright Ian started. Schmidt, or what? What was the partner at that no. time, Ian Schmidt? Okay. No, that was Anthony and Albright. Okay. And it was Bert Anthony mm-hmm. and Albright, and then um, Bert um, had a relationship with the daughter of the president of Mexico, mm-hmm. and the president asked Bert to come and represent Mexico. Oh, wow. So What a great Bert first client. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. So, no, but Bert walked into my office one day, and he says, this is your practice now. That's oh, what you're talking about. Bert was he leaving. was the main guy. Right? Okay, okay. So he says, I'm going to Mexico. I'm going to represent Mexico. And I said, wow. So that's how I became losses of Clifton Albright. Mm-hmm. And then down the road, some years later, uh, a woman I had hired named uh, Kimberly Singleton, mm-hmm. um, I made her a partner and it became Albright and Singleton. Mm-hmm. And we worked for a while, and then Kimberly wanted to work with her husband, who was writing grants, college grants for kids going to college. Okay. So she went to work with him, Mm -hmm. went back to losses of Clifton Albright, and then in, I believe, 1993, I hired two guys, Lucian Schmidt and Derek Yee, Mm -hmm. and I made them partners that we had the name Albright Ian Schmidt. Excellent. And that's Excellent. how we started in 93. Oh, a couple of things. You mentioned law school, um, graduating from law school, and I just wanted to, to mention that you're a graduate of Loyola Law School here in Los Angeles, and the idea that you initially wanted to be a business person, and so certainly in running your own firm, uh, sometimes lawyers are accused of not understanding business and although we may have law practices not really knowing the business of law so it's great to see how you've combined those two interests and, and built you know one of the most successful firms here in in California so kudos to you tell us a little give us an overview of the firm what are your practice areas um, how many employees do you have we have 15, and our practice area is uh, primary, uh, primarily labor and employment law. Okay. We, you know, our clients, you know, from time to time, they, you know, insist that we do other things for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but our primary practice is labor and employment. And how did you evolve into kind of focusing primarily on that area? The debt is just such a, <laughs> there's never a dull day in this, in this world of work and employment law. <laughs> no, it's, it's that too. And I, I enjoyed it. Well, my, my best friend in uh, law school uh, was a woman who was older than me and she liked employment law and she went to work for uh, O'Melveny and Myers. Mm-hmm. Uh, her name was uh, Diane Whiting mm-hmm. at the time. And, you know, I really looked up to her because she was kind of a mentor to me. And she loved employment law. Mm-hmm. And so I wasn't that big on it, but 
uh, as I, when I went out into practice on my own, you know, I'm one of those guys who hate rejection and, and all that kind of stuff. And when you go to people, you tell them what you do. They're, oh, we don't need that. We don't do that. So I said, what is something that every single business needs? Mm-hmm. No matter how big or how small, what do they need? And, you know, if you have one employee, you got employment law. So I said, you know, if it was, Diane did that, so I'm going to do it. Right. And, yes. <laughs> so I tried it and then really enjoyed it. I, you know, I really came to enjoy employment law. And mm-hmm. Back then, a lot of the things, you know, back in the 80s and early 90s, it wasn't until it needed heal that you had any acknowledgement of sexual harassment and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so... That really made the business, it really brought the business for, to the forefront, mm-hmm. you know, when Clarence Thomas and Amelia Hill had their event, if you will. Mm-hmm. And that really kicked in a lot of the, you know, employment issues and especially the harassment and uh, the treatment of women in the workplace. And so that made it a really interesting time. Right, um, right. And so... That's what, you know, that's kind of how I got started. Prompted it. Okay. Um, We're about a minute out before our first commercial um, opportunity here. But just to to further frame our conversation, when we talk about the field of labor and employment law, there are individuals or lawyers and firms who represent plaintiffs or employees, and then there are firms that represent employers and entities. Your firm is on the employer entity side, right? In government entities. That's correct. Okay. Yes. And um, so, and you're, that means you're representing employers, government entities in the full gamut, wrongful termination claims, harassment, discrimination, et cetera? Yes. Okay. Okay. And then when we come... Everything except oh, the, the workers' comp. Yes. And I imagine... I know on the plaintiff side, a lot of individuals will call and say, oh, you know, I have a workers' comp claim. And that's, you know, a whole different ball game that most employment lawyers um, don't specifically do. There are lawyers out there that specialize in workers' comp. Um, so wow. when we we come forward, Attorney Albright, well, I'd love to hear, um, hear, hear you frame, especially for our business owners and employers out there that are listening, kind of what are you seeing as some of the top trends and issues for employers in um, in the field of employment and labor law based on the work you all are doing. And then we're going to talk, you've had some um, recent cases that are of note that we'll talk about. Um, but please stay tuned with us as we come forward. We're talking to attorney Clifton Albright of Albright, Ian Schmidt. His firm represents employers in all aspects of employment and labor law. So you don't want to miss this conversation, especially business owners and employers. Stay tuned. Can you guess that song? It's a favorite, My Favorite Things by John Coltrane. Thank you for continuing with us on KBLA Talk 1580. This is The Legal Lens with Angela's show. And today we're continuing our series that I'm calling Freedom July, where we're highlighting African-American-owned law firms and lawyers that are doing great things and in, in representing their clients and cutting edge areas of the law. And helping us with this discussion today is attorney Clifton Albright 
Wright, who is the founder and principal of Albright, Yee and Schmidt in based in Los Angeles in Orange County. And they specialize in employment and labor law, representing employers in um, governmental entities in various aspects of employment law. Attorney Albright, um, what thank you for kind of giving us an overview of your background and the firm and how it came to be. Let's turn our attention to kind of what are we seeing in terms of some of the top trends and areas of employment law that that your clients are facing. You know, in California, uh, it definitely keeps employment lawyers busy because the California legislature, as well as local government entities, um, are, you know, constantly developing new laws. Um, Many would argue that those laws are um, primarily designed to protect employees. Um, And so employers spend a lot of time defending themselves against those laws. So from your purview and your clients' views, what are some of the top issues and trends you all are seeing? Well, some of the new trends are, um, I just did an interview for Bloomberg Magazine, and some of the new trends are uh, cannabis regulation and screening for cannabis um, in applications mm. and on the on use of cannabis. That's a, a, a real challenge for uh, employers, especially in states like California, because cannabis is legal, even though federally it's still illegal. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, that's a challenge. Another challenge is uh, wage and hour violations. Mm-hmm. You know, meal breaks and um, the different uh, breaks, you know, allowing people to have sick days. Mm-hmm. Those are challenges because California's uh, challenge. California law is a lot different from federal law. Mm-hmm. And those type of issues that come up, and especially the wage and hour, because the penalties are significant for right. violations of wage and hour law. And uh, because of the uh, Private Attorney General Act, which is called PAGA, mm-hmm. attorneys can you know, uh, sue on behalf of all people related to any particular violation, and the employer will be on the hook for all that attorney's uh, attorney's fees, which right. would go into the hundreds and thousands of dollars. So it's a real challenge for employees, and it's, it's very difficult to you know, get all the laws right. So employers are being challenged with those you know, type type legislation. Right, right. Let's, um, I want to talk about both of those. Those are really great areas to pinpoint. Going back to cannabis. um, So my understanding of the law is that employers are part of the law is that employers can't discriminate. They actually use the term discriminate, I believe, discriminate against employees based on their off duty or outside of work hours use of cannabis, but employers can in the pre-hiring test for, to see if there's traces of, um, the active ingredients uh, of THC, right? Or if at a level where it would right. be impairing. Can, can you give us a little more insight about, um, I think we actually did a show on this. And one of the questions that came after was, well, 
what's the, you know, what type of test can employers run? What's the extent of the test they can run, et cetera? Any more insights you can provide us? Um, and especially from an employer perspective, how are you advising your clients on this issue in particular? Yeah. Well, because uh, cannabis is legal in California, mm -hmm. you know, I advise uh, clients not to screen for cannabis on, in the hiring process. Okay. Uh, because if you, it's like alcohol, if you can tell somebody drank alcohol within the last 30 days, that doesn't mean they're drunk. It doesn't right. mean that that they're going to abuse alcohol on the job. And the same thing with cannabis. Right. Um, but even though, um, and also, it doesn't mean they're going to use it at work. Right, so, right. So, you know, why get yourself caught up in those lawsuits trying to determine whether or not, you know, that it's worth uh, the effort and the expense of to trying to find out if somebody uses cannabis? Right. Uh, now, if you do random testing on the job and the person is, you know, Using cannabis, you know, using cannabis or any other controlled substance, mm -hmm. and it has affected their uh, ability to do the job. Then that is another um, issue. Or if their, you know, if their job is one where they're handling very dangerous equipment like mm -hmm. a forklift, right? Or they're right. doing have some activities, and then that you know you can justify maybe a higher level of scrutiny. But if someone is serving food, you know, at a restaurant, then I don't see the danger. And if they show traces of uh, cannabis, you know, cannabis use, you know, in the last 30, 60 days. Right, right. And like I said, it's legal. It's just federally. It's it's not legal yet. And probably federally it will be soon. But, um those are some of the challenges with regard to c cannabis and mm -hmm. with the wage and hour. Uh, it's very easy for employers to ask people to work, you know, overtime mm -hmm. and not realize that they're not paying them or uh, let them work, you know, call them or interrupt them during a lunch break, mm -hmm. which causes the whole, the entire lunch break to cancel and it has to be restarted or you have to pay the person for the hour. Mm -hmm. And employers don't know it, but a lot of attorneys do and they look for that type of stuff so they can sue the company and, you know, the four or 500 employees on behalf of the four or 500 employees and those uh, penalties and fines can reach the millions. Yes, yes. And just so for our listeners who may be hearing for the first time about these kind of lawsuits, the what we call PAGA lawsuits, Private Attorney General Act lawsuits, what that looks like, and correct me, Attorney Albright, if I'm, if I'm misstating, is... An individual employee, an attorney may, plaintiff's attorney may get wind that an individual employee has had missed meal breaks or missed rest periods or working overtime off the clock or what have you. And they may bring a lawsuit or claim on behalf of that employee. But in doing so, they will um, conduct discovery or request records to see if other employees that 
perhaps work in a similar position, class, or what have you, are experiencing the same thing. And then they will bring a class, attempt to bring a class action lawsuit on behalf of not just that one employee, but the entire group. Is that kind of how it, it happens? Um, broadly speaking, I know there's a lot more detail, Attorney mm -hmm. Albright, but uh, is that generally how we see these PAGA claims arise? Yes, that's how they come out. And, it, and the people do not have to uh, actively ask to be involved. All right. they have to do is work there. And so that's the problem. Right, right. And so what would you say you're one of the biggest misconceptions your your clients have around these wage and hour cli um, claims I would especially small business owners like they I find that they tend to be a little mm -hmm. surprised like when these claims come about what what would you say is one of the biggest misconceptions your clients have around wage and hour violations well they their misconception is after they've worked with a person for you know, a period of time, they start viewing the person as part of their family, yes. or part of their <laughs> business, and, you know, they start treating them like, you know, they're not really employees, but mm -hmm. they're part of the team, right? And right. They're not. Yeah. And, and, you, and the employers forget about that, and then they do something like fire the employee or they discipline the employee, and the next thing you know, a lawyer shows up asking for all your records, and it's the employer's responsibility to prove that he or she gave that lunch break or they right. made those employees take. And if they cannot prove it, uh, it's not the employee's responsibility, it's the employer's responsibility. If they can't, yes. then they're, they're looking at violations. Yeah, and there's the law does not allow for an excuse of, I didn't know. Uh, we were like family. We were like friends. So you hit the nail on the head there. So... Folks, if you're just tuning in, we're speaking to attorney Clifton Albright, who specializes in employment, employment and labor law on behalf of employers. We only have a few minutes late, but don't turn a dial. You want to hear the remainder of our conversation. We're going to focus in on some of his top cases um, in recent times. So stay tuned. KBLA Talk 1580. Thank you for continuing with us on KBLA Talk 1580. And that is summertime. Um, by Louis Armstrong, and it is definitely summertime, not just in California, but across the world. They say the world is the hottest it's ever been, um, and so all around the world, people are experiencing extreme temperatures. So, folks, be sure to hydrate and just stay cool and try to just... Be, you know, relax so that we all can make it through this this challenging hot summer. Um, we You've returned with us on KBLA Talk 1580 Legal Lens with Angela. And the last hour we have been in conversation, a great conversation, with one of our top employment law attorneys in California and the nation, Attorney Clifton Albright. He's the founder and principal of Albright E. and Schmidt of Southern California. And he was just sharing with us some of the top trends that he's seeing in representation of his clients who are employers um, in employment and labor law. Attorney Albright, you all have had some, your firm has had some recent successes um, in notable cases on behalf of employers. Um, let's talk about, we probably have time to talk about one or two of them. I know there's your San Bernardino discrimination case. There's the company theft cases and also cases on behalf of West Valley Water District. Which one do you want to highlight for our listeners today? 
Well, the, um, there, there are a couple, but one that I have in mind is actually for we representing the county of Los Angeles. Okay. And I think your listeners might want to hear about, and there, um, the city of the county of Los Angeles, you know, at some point was under a, a consent decree. Mm-hmm. And that was because they were claiming that they, uh, the county was not treating uh, minorities fairly in the hiring of fire, you know, fire uh, department employees. Okay. That was a and federal, so the consent decree was that, that by the federal justice department or? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes. Go ahead. So, um, so what occurred is uh, a number of white firefighters mm-hmm. sued the county claiming what was uh, reverse discrimination. Mm-hmm. They were saying because the county was taking steps to hire more black Latinos and women, mm-hmm. the white firefighters were being discriminated against. And so they sued the county. And the theory that the lawyer representing them was using mm-hmm was, and I couldn't believe he told me this in court just before we went into one of our major hearings. He okay. Said, you know, that you know that this can't be because the way that it's set up is that half the people hired are white, the other half are minorities and women. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay. And he says, you know, everybody knows that, you know, blacks and women and Latinos are not as smart as white people. Mm. So if it's 50-50, then that has to mean that the county is discriminating against the whites because otherwise the majority of people being hired would be white. Wow. All right. So you're surprised because it's it's one thing to bring this lawsuit, but it's another thing to kind of have this very antiquated view of of race and who's smart, who's not, right? I'm, I'm sure that's what caught you by surprise. He didn't think it was antiquated or not. He didn't <laughs> right? think it was antiquated at all. He think, yeah, so very we real in, for him. And huh? I told the judge, yeah, I told the judge what he said. I said, mm-hmm. you know, Jared, this is why he thinks that this, that there's discrimination. Mm-hmm. And the judge looked at him and said, is that your, is that your premise? Mm-hmm. And he wouldn't answer. He didn't say no, but he didn't say yes. Either. He wouldn't answer the question. Okay. So we filed a motion for summary judgment, and the court granted it, and it kind of killed that lawsuit for them. Wow! But, Congratulations. And that was, yeah, that was one that I thought was you know pretty significant because the county had a, a liability on that one um, because then it would have had to deal with all the people who had applied that were white who were not hired Mm -hmm. so that was a significant victory for them yes um, and i what i like about that example also is that um as you know i'm i'm an employment lawyer as well but you know now a mediator but when you know i represented clients you know people often had the 
perception that if you represent the employer that you're bad that you only do bad things but that case is a great one you know we need people on both sides right great people on both sides and diverse people on both sides that's what makes for a great system but that is an example of where you're representing the employer and you're definitely on the right side of of history right in in an instance like that so that that's a great great example it also leads to a question i actually have for you um you know we all know about the recent uh, decision by the united states supreme court outlawing affirmative action in higher education and you may have already commented on this in the media but i know one of the big questions arising from that decision is will this flow over into the workplace will companies and organizations now start to pull back on their for example diversity equity inclusion and belonging efforts will they start to pull back on their hiring initiatives and other initiatives um any any thoughts about that and are you having those conversations with with your clients your employer clients yeah, I think, you know, interestingly enough, uh, there inevitably will be some pullback. Mm-hmm. But I think because of the things that have been going on and the results that employers have seen as a result of those initiatives, uh, it's making them more money. So then I doubt that they're going to be pulling back too fast on it. I mean, mm-hmm. they may look to see, you know, it may help them on the discrimination claims, mm-hmm. but when you have a diverse workforce, it's showing and the employers are seeing that, you know, having a diverse workforce is making them more money because the ideas that they have. And also Mm -hmm. it keeps the heat off them because this, this decision by the Supreme court does not invalidate, you know, organizations like the NAACP, the Urban League, Black Mm -hmm. Lives Matter, just energize them. And so if they don't want to run into that wrath because the public opinion is not good for them. Right, right. uh, They do stuff like that. They want an opportunity to show that they are doing this not because the courts tell them, but because, you know, it's the right thing to do. And basically it makes them more money. Well, that is is good to hear, and um, especially from someone who represents employers, and you're I'm sure you're speaking with them every day and giving them advice and counsel. So that's actually encouraging to hear that companies, you know, for the most part, are going to try to maintain their commitments to to these initiatives. Um, Attorney Albright, in our last minute or so, was there any other case or issue that you've worked, your firm has worked on um, recently that that you would like to highlight with? our listeners as an example of what you yeah, do. We, mm-hmm. we have, I have one more, you know, since you talked about, you know, employment lawyers and the defense, you mm-hmm. know, people normally think that they're, you know, representing the bad guys. Right. And, and obviously the, the opposite, you know, the uh, employment lawyers on the management side think that the, uh, that the people read it, representing the individuals are just trying to take advantage. You right. know? So you always get that back and forth. But one of the cases that I had, it was another case with the county of Los Angeles that where we were representing the county on a sexual harassment mm-hmm. case. It was a pretty bad sexual harassment case where a court administrator had been harassing. Uh, well, he has, actually was a, strange type of harassment because this guy would not ask anyone for sex. Mm -hmm. 
But everyone knew if you didn't figure out how to get in his office and have sex with him or get to him and have sex with him, you would not be promoted. Mm. And it was a common, it was known throughout the court. And this guy had the best court in the, I mean, he had the most progressive court in the system and he was the best instructor Mm -hmm. and teacher in the system for that particular court. Mm -hmm. So when we went in, I went in to do the investigation with the lawsuit and I learned that this is what this guy was doing. Mm -hmm. And when I had my heart to heart talk with him, he felt that he was being taken advantage of because he said, all these women come here and they know that if they can get in my court, that they, that allows them to go to any court in the system and, um, and it, and succeed and get a lot of promotions because of their history of working in this court. About 20 so seconds, Attorney that, Albright, to close it out. I'm so sorry yeah. to cut you off. Go ahead. Yeah. But in any event, after our discussion, we decided it was time for him to retire. Ah, yes. So... So, you know, we do good things sometimes. For sure, for sure. No, that is a great, great example. And how can people stay in touch or follow the work of your firm? Um, uh, AlbrightYeeAndSchmidt.com. Go to the website and uh, give us a call if you have a question. Excellent, excellent. Thank you so much for your time today. You have given great insights to our listeners, Attorney Albright, and we definitely look forward to having you back. So have a great rest of the weekend. And up next, we have Talk Tech to Me with Cassie Beck. So tune in. She has an amazing show planned always. And tune in next week as we continue our, our focus on African-American law firms and attorneys with Attorney Tatiana Metters, who will provide information about estate planning and probate law as well as conservatorships until then i leave you with the words of fame leader nelson mandela who celebrated a birthday this week where he said it always seems impossible until it's done so folks go out and do it and you'll find that it's not impossible remember to smile and to show love and kindness to someone today we all need a little bit more of that in the world now signing off this is angela redock wright with the legal lens show on kbla talk 1580